0: Good morning, Cottondale Baptist Church. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you again, even though it has to be like this, and it is my sincere desire that it won't be like this for too much longer, uh, but that by God's mercy and grace he would grant us to gather together face-to-face once again. And um, do pray that that would happen quickly. Um, This morning, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to take a break from our journey through the book of Matthew. And uh, I want to take this last Sunday before Easter to focus specifically on our mission as a church and how it relates to this season of giving uh, through the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Um, You just saw the video and uh, God is doing a great work through the uh, laborers for the harvest that he is raising up as church planters to um, send to the most needed areas of our country. Uh, as you know, the International Mission Board, the IMB, is the way that we as Southern Baptists cooperate with tens of thousands of other Southern Baptist churches to send out missionaries to the nations to get, uh, to get the gospel um, uh, across the world, and in the same way, the North American Mission Board, or NAM, is the way that we cooperate with tens of thousands of other Southern Baptist churches to plant churches and spread the gospel right here in North America, uh, which includes the United States, um, Puerto Rico, and Canada. And so, uh, as, a Southern, as Southern Baptists, these are the vehicles that we use as we pool all our resources together so that together we can directly participate um, in, in getting the gospel out and making Christ known in ways that we could never do alone or individually. And so it is a wonderful thing uh, to be a Southern Baptist and to be able to participate in these mission organizations that are, that are well-run, uh, that, that have lots of experience, and that are able to equip and train and send people out to the glory of God. Uh, the reality is, church, uh, that we are living in a post-Christian culture. Uh, a generation or two has already arisen that, um, more or less, has little to no understanding of the Bible, the gospel, or of or of Christianity. Certainly, with no meaningful depth. And this is just the re- this is just the reality. It's just. America is not the place that it used to be, and we have multiple generations now that grew up with little to no affinity or affection uh, for the gospel, little to no gospel presence in their home. In fact, uh, there's a, a large portion, a segment of our population who really the the only thing they know about Christianity <laughs> is what they uh, is the characterization of it from mainstream media and from. Hollywood and from social media and things like that and so you can if you know anything about those things you know that we're already fighting as it were an uphill battle to make Christ known in our culture. So the reality is is that we need the gospel more than ever in our country and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering in the North American Mission Board is just one important and I think very useful way that we can help as a church spread the gospel throughout our land. And when you give, 100% of what you give will go straight to the North American Mission Board to help plant churches, particularly in the, in, uh, the major urban centers of the United States of America where most people live, where the greatest percentage of lostness is, and these are the places that are uh, most influencing society as well. And so this is our mission, church, to make Christ known in Dodge County, in Georgia, in the United States, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And this is one way that we can be faithful to that. So in the midst of all that's going on, I urge you to please give generously to the North American uh, Mission Board through the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Make it it an offering, a a sacrificial offering to God Almighty, and it will rise up uh, into heaven. For his praise. And in that light, I want to examine that mission a little bit more closely through a passage of Scripture, particularly 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, uh, just let me ask you to go ahead and turn there. And uh, in this passage, what we see is the Apostle Paul is dealing with the church in Corinth. And if we know anything about the church in Corinth, it was a mess. <laughs> it was a real mess, okay? There was sexual morality. There were divisions. There were cliques, greed, mistreating the poor members of the church, okay? Um, you know, I see some churches time to time, you know, called Corinth Baptist Church, and I almost wonder, you know, I don't know why you would name your church after that. I mean, I know it's in the Bible, but they had lots of problems at Corinth. And yet there's something we can learn from this passage about uh, the ministry that has been entrusted to us. And so I invite you to follow along. We're going to read the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you... Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's, temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's, the word of God. What I want to see from our passage concerning this, our mission this morning is three truths. Number one, we work together in God's field. We work together in God's field. Number two, we build upon the true foundation we build upon the true foundation. And number three, how we build will be tested by God. How, how we build will be tested by God. First, number one, I want to see here is that we work together in God's field. We work together in God's field. We see this in verses 5 through 9. Paul says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So we saw here that the church in Corinth was a mess, and among many of their problems was these divisions within the church. And some, uh, somehow or another, they had pitted certain Christian leaders... One against another. Some people felt especially endeared to Paul. Uh, Others were drawn to a popular preacher named Apollos. And still others felt a special affinity for Peter or Cephas. And these groups started to divide divide themselves on the basis of their favorite leaders. Uh, We do this today when we become enamored with certain teachers, teachers, or, or, or Bible preachers, or, or television personalities, and things like that, and we can, we can uh, align ourselves if you identify ourselves with a certain teacher, or leader, or ministry, uh, over and against uh, uh, other believers, which is absurd when we're all on the same team, but this is what was happening, um, and so Paul, far from being flattered that a group aligned with him, rather Paul mourned one was heartbroken over the whole deal because to divide the body over something as insignificant as one of God's ministers was a devastating loss and a grievous error for the church. How fleshly it is, he says, to pick one of God's servants as your favorite and, and divide yourselves over it. Well, who are they? Paul says, in the end, God's ministers are, are, are nobodies. <laughs> They're only servants. That God granted specific ministry to and that's what he says uh, uh, he says um, that they were assigned the ministries as they were assigned to each it says um, uh, there in verse five it says servants to whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each and so each each minister has only been assigned a ministry you me we have we are servants of God nobodies who just have been granted certain ministries for a certain Season for, certain, for a certain season, a certain time in history, a certain place, a certain area of influence has been entrusted to you, has been entrusted to me, and that for a certain season. And when that time is up, it's up, and then that ministry will, will, will pass on to somebody else or go on to someone else, or, or perhaps even cease to exist after that. And so, in the ultimate scheme of things, we're nobody, you're nobody, I'm nobody, God is everything. Our ministries are, bless God, their are gifts stewarded, given to us for a certain season and a certain time. And then also our only option is to be faithful for the time that is entrusted to us. But beyond that, it's all, it's all God's. It all belongs to God. We must remember that we are nothing in ourselves. We don't exist for ourselves. We, must, we can bless God for the ministry that he's given us and would that we will be faithful to that ministry until the end. But when our time is up, it's up. And, and at that point, no glory will go to me. No glory will go to Cottondale Baptist Church. All glory will go to God and Jesus Christ for his work in the world through his people. And so what we have is a privilege that God has appointed to us a ministry at this present time. And Paul puts it like this. He says, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. The ministry, as Paul describes it, he uses the analogy first of farming. He says, I planted but and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. This word, for, this word planting here where he talks about planting uh, is where we derive the, the term when we talk about church planting. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He traveled around to major, pr- primarily metropolitan areas, and he preached Christ. And wherever Christ, Christ was preached and believed upon, he gathered those believers together and started a church. And so wherever he went and preached Christ, he he planted churches and. this is because that the church is God's plan for the world. That's why the local church is so important. That's why church membership is so much more than having your name on a roll. God forbid that that's all that it is, but it is becoming part of God's family, and it is the local body of believers whom you are covenanting together with them to say, "This, these are my family. These are my eternal brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the ones who I am going to face-to-face Person to person, manifestly live out and obey Christ with together. That's what the church is. The church is God's plan for the world. Jesus didn't just come to save a bunch of discreet individuals who just do their own thing. But he came to save a family. He came to create a new people in Jesus Christ. He came to create a new bloodline through the blood of Jesus Christ, who would display Christ's glory and Christ's riches in the world by the way they love one another. Something that you can't do by yourself. That's God's plan for the world. And so it's only together that we can obey Christ and show the world the difference he has made in us. Paul's ministry was to plant, but not just that, but Paul says that plants also must be watered. And so Paul planted, Paul was primarily a church planter, but he also watered the churches. And other people came to his churches, which he started, and watered the churches that he started, people, preachers like Apollos. You see, the church must, must be planted, but after it's planted, it also must be watered, fed God's word. It must be shepherded and led by godly men who will guard the gospel and lead people to full maturity and knowledge and obedience to Jesus Christ. And so this is the mission. We as a church have already been planted. October 21st, 1923, we're coming quickly up upon 100 years of ministry. This church was established to be a gospel light in this community, and now this community needs it more than ever. We've already been planted and our mission is to, is, to, is to continue to sow the gospel seed and to water those seeds and to see them grow so that the branches of our church will spread out over this entire community, encompassing it in the name of Jesus Christ and bringing all who will under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist, to build Christ's church in the world, to build Christ's church Right here in this community, bringing lost souls under the life giving shade of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's why we, even though we have been caught off guard by this virus, we must still pursue our lost friends and neighbors and our ones. Don't forget about your one in the midst of this virus, in the midst of this situation. Maybe there's some of you who somehow, way, you still haven't committed to a one yet. One, this is a perfect season, perfect time. God, give me one person that in the midst of this, I could point to you, lead to you, Lord Jesus. And during this particular season when, uh, when you know, it's manifestly obvious now that things are out of our control. And and, and it's a time of crisis. It gives us a unique opportunity to speak. People are uniquely open to talking about things that are really important. Things like life, death, heaven, hell, eternity. So let's not let this opportunity go by the wayside. God has created this opportunity for us to seize it for his glory. So we we minister the gospel here, right where Christ has planted us. But in addition to that, every local church also has the mission to start new churches, so that we're not just we don't just make disciples here, but we make disciples unto all the nations, and and, and it should go out into all of our nation, particularly through North America. Uh, and how can and the question then is how can we little old Cottondale do something like plant a new church <laughs> to, to take the gospel to a community that there's no strong gospel witness there how can we start a new church and the answer is um, in and of ourselves we can't but by god's grace and by the power of the holy spirit and by the cooperation of tens of thousands of other churches just like us we can do what we could never do on our own and that's why the annie armstrong uh Easter offering in the North American Mission Board is, such a, is a, such a wonderful tool that we can use that we as a church, Continental Baptist Church in Eastman, Georgia, can directly participate in starting new churches in, in, in gospel-starved areas of our country. We can directly participate in that through the Annie Armstrong Easter offering and through our cooperative program, giving. And so, pray about it. Give generously, and not just that, but we can cooperate personally too. There are opportunities, and I know, and there will be some in the future where we can go and to help church plants, help people who are called to, who have been called of God to to start gospel witnesses uh, in, in in needy areas of our country, and we can go and partner with them and take mission trips and help them and make partnerships to to see to it that. That not just our community has gospel witness, but other, com- other needy communities around our country as well. We can help church plants. We can pray. We can pray for our church planters. We can pray for the North American Mission Board. We can pray that God would raise among us people called to take the gospel to other parts of our country. That's a small thing for God to do. And I pray that God would do it. I pray that God would grow our church, develop our church, and mature our church, and raise up within our very own congregation people who say, I want to take the gospel to a place that doesn't have as much light as we do. I want to take the gospel. I feel called of God to take the gospel to this city, to that city, in Jesus' name. And through the North American Mission Board, we could wholeheartedly send that person out as they're sending church through the partnership of other churches and see Christ made known through them. So the point is is that some plant, some water, but God gives the growth. We all as believers work together in God's field. It's not me versus some other preacher. It's not our church versus some other church. It's us together hoeing the hard ground, uh, doing the hard work of ministry for Jesus' name. So number one, we work together in God's field. Number two, we build upon the true foundation. We build upon the true foundation. We see this in verse 11. Paul says, no one, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. Some, some plant, some water, but God gives the growth. So some are planting, some are watering, but God must give the growth. And I just want to just focus on that for a minute. God is the source of growth. Just think about that. That's, this is the Apostle Paul's whole point. I'm nothing. Apollos is nothing. Chad's nothing. You are nothing. Condo Baptist Church is nothing. We are just ministers whom God has assigned a certain ministry to, but God must give the growth. We can plant and we can water till we're blue in the face, but if God doesn't show up, nothing's going to happen. And so the question is, 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 are we seeking God? Are we crying out to God? Because unless God acts, nothing's going to happen. And just too often in our personal lives... And even in our lives of ministry and in our in, in how we think about the church, we, f- we tend to focus on ourselves or our leaders or our work or our programs or our institutions. But the reality is, is that a skilled, charismatic leader is not the same thing as a man of God. And busyness isn't always the same thing as faithfulness. Did you know that... the It is scary to think, but I I know that it is true. It is possible to build a huge church with thousands and thousands of people coming every Sunday giving untold amount of money. It's impossible to build such a thing without the Holy Spirit. It's possible to build it without the Holy Spirit. That's terrifying to think that that's true. But we don't want to be such a place the question then is, is, are we seeking God? Are we pleading with God? Are we surrendered and submitted to God? Are we seeking the glory of God? Are we seeking the glory of ourselves or of our church or of our, of our brand or of our name or whatever it is? Are we seeking ourselves? Are we seeking the glory of God? Are we pleading with Him? Are we building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ? No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid except Jesus Christ. And see, we have to, to note here that Paul has switched his analogies. He did that in verse 9, if you, if you notice that. I'm, uh, I believe that's right. He did that in verse 9. That's right. He said, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. And then he says, God's building. And so Paul switches analogies there. He moves from field to building. The, the church of Jesus Christ, in a sense, is a field the ministry area is a field and the the seed is the gospel and the gospel grows into the church jesus himself used that own analogy that own analogy but another analogy for the church is god's building and the the foundation of that building is jesus christ and paul is 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 earnest on this point there is only one foundation that can be laid for the church of Christ, and that is, that is the person of Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the foundation of the church. If we, uh, uh, the second any so-called Christian or so-called church is found lying upon a foundation other than Christ, then it, that, then it ceases to be Christian altogether because there's only one foundation. There's only one thing that we can be built upon to legitimately have claim to the title of Christian. The church is God's building and it belongs to Jesus Christ. Jesus said it this way. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So God's ministers are not only farmers, they are also builders and we we can only build upon a foundation that has already been laid and that is the foundation of Jesus Christ so we as a church we don't have the right to, to try to to try to build the church of Jesus Christ upon any other foundation other than the foundation of Jesus Christ. There are lots of things vying for people's attention, vying for people's affection. There's lots of things out there saying, if you're not involved in this, or if you're not taking this issue on, or if you're not dealing with this, then you're, then you're not being faithful. And there's all kinds of things. If the devil can't get you to straight out deny Jesus and embrace heresy, then what the devil will do is he'll take you off course by a matter of degrees. But if he can get you off course by just one degree, well, then then years down the road, you're way off from where you were supposed to be. There's only one foundation that can be laid. There's only one thing that that is fundamental and ultimate and non-negotiable when it comes to the church, and that is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So the question then is, Is what are we building on? Who or what are you building your life on? Who or what are we building our church on? First of all, think about your life. What, what, now, and be, and take a moment of self reflection and be honest. What is the foundation of your life? What is your life built upon, founded upon? What is the one thing that holds your life up? Is it Jesus Christ or is it something else? What does, what does how you spend your time say about what your true foundation is? What does how you spend your money say about what your true foundation is? What does the conversation in the content of your conversations say about what your life is truly built upon? What is the thing that, that, that you're hoping in? That, you, that you're finding comfort and security in, tell you about what your true foundation is? Is it anything less than Christ? What about our church? What are we building our church on, our ministry on? If it's anything less than Jesus Christ, we have ceased to be the church. Christ must be our center, our rock, our foundation of all that we do. And the second that we begin to do something that Christ is not the center of, we either need to, quick, we, we either need to quickly change the heart and motivation behind what we're doing and we just need to stop doing it. And so everything we do needs to be centered upon Jesus Christ. When we come to Sunday school, and Lord willing we'll be able to do that again soon, we should come to Sunday school to build our lives, to build deeper relationships with God's people so that together we can build our lives upon the solid rock Solid foundation of Jesus Christ. We should come to worship uh, Sunday worship or even Sunday online eagerly and expectingly, desiring to build our lives upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. We should sing songs with hearts full of praise and adoration and thanksgiving to God acknowledging that he is the only thing that holds us up. When I preach, I preach the Bible alone and I try to explain it as clearly and carefully as, a, as possible so that uh, the reason for that is because the Bible is about Christ from cover to cover. And I do that so that our church would be centered upon nothing else but Jesus Christ and Him alone. We pray and teach children on Wednesdays when we're able to do that. To lay Christ down as the bedrock upon, uh, of the lives of our little ones. We reach out to our ones so that they'll see that Christ is the only sure foundation that they can build their life upon so that when the day comes, they won't be swept away by the flood of God's wrath. And so this Easter season, we need to remember that our lives, our everything must be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And one way that we can do that is to put our treasure in heaven and our hope in Christ and help, through, these mission, through this mission offering, help uh, help make uh, see that that foundation is being laid in other parts of our country as well. So number one, we work together in God's field. Number two, we build upon the true foundation. And number three, importantly, how we build will be tested by God. How we build will be tested. though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So we plant and water, but God must give the growth. We build, but only Christ can be the foundation. And then finally, the Apostle Paul takes this building analogy further. He says that we can, in effect, build with different kinds of materials upon the foundation, ...of Jesus Christ. We can, as it were, build with wood, hay, and straw... ...or we can build with gold, silver, and precious stones. And the materials that we will build with, Paul says... ...will be tested with fire. Will be tested with fire. Now, fire in the Bible is a clear symbol of judgment... ...and trial and testing. And, of course, we know that different materials... ...respond to fire differently... Wood, hay, and straw are consumed in the fire. But precious metals are purified by the fire. And in the same way, so follow Paul's logic here. In the same way, we as believers will be judged on the last day by how we built upon the foundation of Christ. We will be judged by what kind of materials we used Uh, In other words, the way that we ministered and the faithfulness of our ministry and the centeredness of our ministry about the person of Jesus Christ, we will be judged by that And, and it will be tested how well it will stand in the fires of judgment. So yes, the Bible teaches that even believers will be judged on the last day. Now, this judgment for a true believer will not have to do with one's final salvation. Uh, Paul makes that clear in verse 15. He says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so, even though it isn't a matter of ultimate salvation for genuine Christians... Paul grants that it's a real possibility that our work and our lives and our ministry as Christians can be, sh- can be so shoddily and poorly done that we might, as it were, make it into heaven by the skin of our teeth and have absolutely nothing to lay at the feet of Jesus Christ. We might, as it, we might make it to the end of our days, As as a follower of Jesus Christ, and the, and the, the final day comes, and our entire lives could be burned up in the flames because we frittered it away with unimportant, insignificant things. So that we stand before God, as it were, penniless. Nothing to lay at his feet, to give to him for his glory. So the question for you and for me is this. What are we building with, brothers? What kind of material are you building your life with? Are you building up your life? Does your life, the life that you're living right now, does it consist in God's eyes? Does your life consist in gold, silver, and precious stones? Or does it consist in wood, hay, and stubble? if our lives are centered about primarily earthly concerns and earthly comforts and earthly securities and we're not making sacrifices of love and faith and time and service and generosity out of fear and love for God, seeking to make Christ known and seeking to glorify Him and seeking to bring other people to saving knowledge of Him, then all we're doing is we're building with wood, hay, and stubble. And it'll be consumed in the fire. What will your life look like when the fires of judgment rush upon us? What will happen? What will it look like? Will you have anything left? But that's not, but our lives being burned up is not the only option. We can give ourselves wholly to Christ today. We can be busy about the Father's business, meeting needs and helping others in Jesus' name. We can be students of God's Word, devoting ourselves to it every day, growing in the knowledge of Him, praying that God would give us the mind of Christ. We can be fervent and earnest in our prayers We can be generous with our time, our gifts, and our resources. We can wake up every morning saying, Lord, this day is a gift from you, and I completely surrender this day to you. Let me do everything I do this day for the glory of your name. We can share Christ with our ones, with our neighbors, with those that don't know him. We can pour our lives into others, seeking to see them grow and mature in their love and devotion and obedience to Christ we can dig deep into the body of Christ into his church stop being anonymous stop being on the fringes but give ourselves to the one institution that will last forever god the family of god and stop being invisible and just dive head first into god's people so that i can know and be known and come un- and come within the the, the 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 grace and the 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 kindness and the mercy and the help and the strength and the encouragement that only comes through other believers. We can lay our lives and our plans down before God and tell God, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it for you. And as we do those things, we're building with gold, silver, and precious stones And on that day when our lives will be tested by the fire, rather than being burnt up, they will, as it were, be polished by the fire and shine with a greater brilliance than we ever could have imagined to lay at the feet of our king. Church, we work together in God's field. We build upon the true foundation and how we build will be tested by God. Oh, church, I pray that our lives, that the ministry of this church will stand on that day, will be as gold and silver and precious stones before our great God. If the Lord has spoken to you this morning, I pray whatever it is, whatever that specific thing is, he's impressing upon your heart. Commit right now. Obey it. Do it. Do whatever you need right now to make sure that you get that sin out of your life, that you begin to make Christ the the center, the foundation of your life. Do it. By God's grace and God's strength, do it. If this morning all this might have zero relevance for you because you don't even yet belong to Jesus Christ, you're not yet part of God's family, you see, the Bible says, uh, you know, the, the thing that Jesus that that Paul is talking about here is talking about rewards for believers. But if we don't know Christ, there, of course, there is no reward. There's only punishment due to our sin. But the glory of grace is this: is that Jesus came on the cross to take the punishment for us in our place. So that we wouldn't have to, so that if we turn from our sins at this very moment, turn from our sins and believe in Jesus who died, who rose again, who's coming back. The Bible says he will forgive us of all of our sins. Bring us into his family. And then we can finally begin living a life, building a life that will endure forever. But until then, we can do nothing but build with wood, hay and straw. And I plead with you that you would turn to Christ this day so that you can begin to build a life that will endure forever, that God will carry through forever. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but if the Lord has spoken to you, if you want to know more about how you can follow Christ, if you want somebody to pray with you in some way, simply do this. Just go to our Facebook page and shoot us a message, and someone will get back to you and contact you. And if you want to know how you can follow Christ, just just Go to our Facebook page, shoot us a message, and I'd be glad to talk with you about how you can follow Jesus Christ. Um, Let's pray together.